You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Dave, this episode of the Broadcast Basement is brought to you by Joseph's Finest Meats. Simple, old-school Italian butcher shop showcasing prime aged beef, chops, and homemade sausages, 7101 West Addison Street in Chicago. 7101 West Addison Street in Chicago. Tell them that Socks in the Basement sent you there. Joseph's Finest Meats. Nobody beats our meat. Don't. That is literally their slogan. That's awesome. <laughs> They're old school, too. They got a little old Italian guy and like all of his sons. Good stuff over there. Omar Vizquel's on the show today. That's awesome. Double A manager, Birmingham Barons, in the White Sox system, was in single A last year with all the stars, gets elevated to double A. I am very interested to hear what Vizquel has to say about, um, well, just the general talent pool down there. We're going to talk to him about that, and here's the thing. We're going to talk about a one Dylan Cease. Yeah, let's, because, because I have, this I have is a, a few, big deal. I have a few thoughts. This is a big deal. This show comes out on Dylan Cease Day. We'll talk about it after it happens a week from now, but I want to discuss that. So, Dave, I'm going to give you the choice. Sure. What do you got? Viskel or Cease? What do you want to start off with? Do the Viskel thing. Special guest today on Socks in the Basement. He is the manager of the AA Birmingham Barons. We are very lucky to have him. Omar Vizquel on the line. Hello, sir. How are you? How you doing? Everything all right over here? Oh, that's awesome. Now, I- I'm going to tell you something straight off. You know, everybody talks about, like, you know, your career. You had an amazing career. You, you, you know, gold glove after gold glove after gold glove, multiple all-star games. You even played for the White Sox in the twilight of your career in 2010 and 2011. But I'm always going to remember you as being the one that would break my heart constantly when you're playing for the Indians in the mid to late 90s and you're beating up on my White Sox team. What what was it like after being part of something that in our minds was a rivalry then and then end up with this organization later on down in your career? Yeah, well, uh, you know, those were the rivalry years, like you said. Every time that we were facing the White Sox, we knew that we had to beat them because, uh that was the only way to go to the playoff. And, uh, you know, the White Sox in those years have a good team. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of years with the Cleveland Indians, obviously, in the same division. And uh, that's why we created that rivalry, obviously. Uh, but it was pretty amazing, man. Just uh, see guys on the other side, uh, you know, like Frank Thomas and Paul Conerco and all the uh, Burley and all those guys. It was going to be a tough game. We knew it was going to be a tough thing to go over them. But, uh, you know, that's, that's just the way the business work. Uh, you know, uh, after that, I end up playing for the White Sox organization and, and uh, being part of that. It was very special. And I'm still part of it, obviously. And now on a different role, or try to develop the players that are coming up through the system, we have, which has been a really interesting process. I'm really proud that I get to be there involved with that and uh, trying to help as much as I can to do that with the guys. So how did it end up that, I mean, whenever somebody thinks of you, I think I always picture you, even after the couple years in the White Sox uniform, as a Cleveland Indian. 
How do you settle on or how do you end up being a manager in the White Sox system? Did you, it was, be, was it because of the organization or was it because the job was available at the time that you were ready to manage? Yeah, I think it was the right time at the right moment. You know, sometime as a player, you also have an opportunity to break into a baseball team because somebody's hurt or because, uh, you know, it's just your right time. And, uh, you know, by the time that I wanted to coach, I called the White Sox and they have a position open for single A. That's what I did last year. And then, uh, you know, this year I move up a little bit with them. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, it just uh, worked perfectly at the right time, at the right moment, right after my career as a player. I wanted to start something new, and obviously managing is one of them. You have to think that the White Sox value your managerial skills and your ability to work with young players. If you move after your first year in single A, they basically moved you with a lot of their top prospects. It's almost as if you're moving parallel with a group of players that they see as one day part of their core in the majors. How did that come about? Is that why they moved you along? Have they discussed those kind of things with you? No, they they didn't really discuss that. I figured that, uh, you know, when you are with a group of players that you uh, understand and they have a good communication with you, you understand each other. I think, uh, you know, if you move along with them, it makes the process a lot more easier, like if you just change a, a different manager or something like that. You know, uh, they didn't they didn't let me know, but I, I figured that's just the way it works sometimes. Uh, you know, it, it, like I say, it makes the process easier. And I'm feeling really proud that I get the chance to, uh, you know, uh, develop with them and, and see the evolution of myself with them and then the players with me. So now you have a couple of big name players that I know a lot of uh, White Sox fans are itching to get here to the majors. Can you talk a little bit about Lewis Robert and what you see in this young man for like the last year or so? White Sox fans are sitting around going, okay, he's injured a lot. I don't know what he's going to be. He's dropped on a lot of prospect lists. He comes out this year and basically just forced his way in the double A. And it's to the point up here where the buzz is he's going to force his way out of double A soon. What, what is your impression of this young man? Yeah, I mean, this guy has been impressive ever since it's the first time they got to double A. Uh, I knew that we have some problem with uh, his hands and, uh, you know, he wasn't really uh, playing a hundred percent, but this year has been amazing. Every time he swings a bat, every time he does something in the outfield, his arm, the way that he runs, uh, you know, he's just amazing. I think he's starting to show a lot of signs of his, uh, his, the, the, his tools, obviously. And, uh, he's impressing a lot of people. I think the most important thing is that, that he's getting more, more involved with the, the language. The language barrier, he's trusting more people, he's uh, learning how to speak English, and uh, I think he's opened it up a lot more. And when you have that confidence in you, I think he just uh, uh, let your tools shine by by themselves. So he's been very impressive this year, like I said, and, uh, you know, everything he does, there's something special in this guy. I know you're enjoying watching him down there, and you don't get to make the decision. But do you see it as realistic that this kid could move really quickly and continue moving through things even this year? Like, does he do you feel like he's figured out double A at this point or he's at least close to it? Yeah, he's very close to it. I wouldn't say that he's just going to go and move right away and, uh, you know, make an impact. But, uh, you know, he's still evolving. And like I said, the most that he's trusting himself, the most that he's around people that, uh, that he knows that he belongs in the big league level, I think he's, he's going he's gonna to be great. But he's still a lot, uh, you know, some things that he has to learn. Uh, obviously, he's young and he's making 
some mistake mentally, and, and that's our job, to kind of guide him into the right direction and try to go down the mental mistakes so he can be one of these great players someday. Well, he is very close. You are a defensive wizard. So the thing is, now you've got a guy in Nick Madrigal. Your evaluation of him defensively as somebody who played really good defense, does he have the glove right now where, like, you know, he goes into the majors and he's a gold glove caliber type guy, or does he have things to work on still? No, not really. This guy is ready to play in a major league level defensively. Uh, there is, I haven't really seen a weakness in, in, on the field when this guy is there. You know, his backhand plays, the way that he turns double play, the quickest on his hands. And, you know, people talk a lot about how good the hands are. Well, his mind is, I think, is separating from everybody else. Uh, you know, he's a different kind of guy where he's always thinking ahead of the play that, uh, that he can make. Uh, and, and the combination on the quickness with, with the tools that he have of, of uh, being smart and being on the right spot all the time is what makes him uh, stand off from the rest of the group. So, you know, I, I have no doubt that this guy is going to be a great baseball player. Do the White Sox talk to you in terms of development? Is there like an organizational plan? And the reason I ask this is because right now baseball is kind of being taken over by this three true outcome thing at the plate. They're all approaching it almost the same way. And situational hitting and bunting, things like that seem to be going away in a lot of players' games. Is there a focus on a certain way of doing things down there that the Sox talk about? Is it different for each player? What, what do they communicate to you? No, I mean, every, every player have a, a plan that they, they go about it. Uh, you know, in the spring training, I think uh, the hitting instructors and, and the system sit down and say, this is what we're going to try to do. Uh, this is our program, and everybody's trying to follow that. But at the same time, if you start working on on launch angle, on launch angle, and uh, you you don't uh, have the power to do that, uh, and that's I think that's Madrigal case. Uh, he's a land drive kind of hitter. He knows that. He knows if he starts changing his swing to a launch angle, it's not going to be the same uh, and, ha- and create the same effectiveness that everybody uh, wants him to be. You know, so you can't really change uh, your swing that much. You you gotta believe on what is good for you, even though that we have uh, something in plan. And then uh, you know, if that thing don't work out, then you go to Plan B. But yeah, we have to give him every tool as possible as 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 we uh, have, and uh, and then we go from there. You've got a lot of players that are down there in that system, and we talked about two of the big names. If you now looking at your team in Birmingham had to pick one other guy that really impresses you that you see you see like something in him where you're like this guy is probably going to end up making it and he's got a career ahead of him and it's not to say that if you don't mention somebody else we're putting down anybody else but is there somebody that jumps out to you that besides uh, Lewis Robert and Nick Madrigal that that you enjoy looking at right now and you see that potential well, there is a you know a couple of other guys that they probably have uh, the potential to explode and, and be really good players. Uh, I have a third baseman named uh, T1 Forbes, who is a guy that loves to play every day, and uh, you know he's really evolving in, in, in the last year. Uh, I see a lot of improvement on him, and also Luis Gonzalez, who is another outfielder that we have. Uh, he's going to struggle a little bit, but I see a lot of tools on these guys. He can he's a great outfielder. He has speed. And he made contact on almost every pitch. Uh, you know, he's very aggressive. And obviously, he just has to evolve a little bit more as uh, learning the strike zone a little more. But it's going to be a little slower uh, process for him. But I think they have the tool to also be in the big league someday. 
All right, Omar, before I let you out of here, and I really appreciate you coming on the show, the the last thing I'd like to ask you is this, and I don't, I want to make it very clear, I don't expect you to talk about any other manager's or any other manager's position, okay? Um, but you obviously got into this because you want to manage. Do you see yourself as somebody who is going to sit inside of the White Sox organization, work your way up through that organization if you become somebody that's part of a staff in the major leagues but you're still with the White Sox? Or do you see yourself being somebody that if like if you get a chance to manage in the majors tomorrow, it would be that's that's what my goal is. I would go there. How how do you kind of see things right now in the early part of your managerial career? Well, I think as I I started from zero uh, last year because obviously I didn't manage uh, you know at all, and yet, um, last year was my first year. Obviously, with the new server metrics and stuff, you have to know a lot of things, a lot of numbers, and I think that's how. GMs are kind of judging your your job right now. There is a combination of decisions that you have to go through. You have to learn the system. You have to learn things that they want you to do. Uh, there is a lot of things to learn, and and I think I'm I'm in the right path. Uh, I'm learning quick. I'm learning a lot of things that they want us to do, and uh, you know sometimes your decision have nothing to do with what they want they want you to do. So you know, it's, it's a lot of communication between uh, the front office uh, and and the coaching staff. There is a lot of guys that are smarter here. They uh, we've been exposed to a lot of numbers and all this, and it just depend how you can handle that. That you're gonna be uh, having this opportunity to manage someday. That's awesome. This is Omar Vizquel. He is the manager of the Birmingham Barons. I want to thank you again for coming on the show and talking a little bit about your players and, and also talking a little bit about what's going on with you because I, I, you know, there's a lot of guys I think that get out of Major League Baseball as a player who want to manage and you got an opportunity, you're in there and it sounds like you're you're working hard to learn every little bit of it and understand there's a process to it. It's kind of fun to hear that. That is, man. It's really fun. You know, I love what I'm doing right now. I love uh, I love the communication with the guys and with the front office and 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 what we're trying to accomplish, and I hope uh, you know that we can get the best out of this so they can we can get a lot of kids out there in the big league someday. Thanks so much for coming on Socks in the Basement. Thank you. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. I want to real quick say, Dave, you you missed it because you live a busy life. Okay, <laughs> I, I do. But I Socks do. in the Basement was out at one of their proud sponsors, Cool Clouds Vapor Shop. There's three locations, but their Evergreen Park original location had their five year anniversary this past Sunday. They gave away like a flat screen TV, a bunch of things. Uh, I was out there with some Socks in the Basement swag that I gave away. Met some of the people, Reed and Bridget. They're Southsiders, true and true. And they created the vape shop basically because Reed needed to quit smoking and couldn't find another way to do it. <laughs> so his first thing he says is like, if you don't smoke, don't come in here and start vaping, which is a very healthy attitude and a way to handle the, that kind of a thing. Right. And right. they also do that CBD oil. People use it for stress and everything like that. I can vouch for that. That stuff works, dude. I use it myself for like anxiety and for my back pain. It's yeah, it's the real deal. When the White Sox do something bad, you just douse yourself in it, huh? They haven't done much <laughs> bad lately, though, man. I so, know. But yeah, I know. No, that's it's... a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. Okay. They got three locations. They got the Evergreen Park location. We are out at 3837 West 95th Street. They also have one in Tinley Park at 7899 West 159th Street. And in University Park, Illinois, 1303 Hamilton. Go check out Cool Clouds Vapor Shop. All right. 
The White Sox, you're right, have not screwed up too much. They got rid of Yonder Alonso. Yay, dude. That was, dude, I texted you and I texted you the gif of, uh, you know, the How I Met Your Mother, like they're opening champagne, <laughs> jumping on the bed. You know, <sighs> was, it, was it or was it not? Like, like here's the thing. Like, it, there's always moments when you just want to get on Twitter and you want to read everything about it or you want to go and you start Googling things. You want to, you want to read everything about it. I wanted to do that even more than when I heard Dylan Cease was coming up because I was so happy the Sox had finally done something that I've been waiting for them to do. It is such an un-White Sox thing to do. They ate a ton of money. To eat that kind of money and just dump this dude. Look, let's not pretend that nobody knows what's going on here, okay? The only reason dude was here is because, you know, they, they brought him in to try to get the you know to try to get the Manny Machado friends and family discount because they're cheap, and it didn't. They won't work. tell you. They won't say they're cheap. They'll say that they gave the best offer. No, but everybody no, knows they did nonsense because guaranteed money is all that matters. But they're they're cheap. So so when that didn't work out, and it was great because like dude tells his brother in law not to play here, go to San Diego. Right? There, there were things that came out that made it seem like he did that. So. Yes. Dude, go away. You come out here, you're batting. The guy is a career 268 hitter, and he's batting 100 points below his career. If that's not a guy who doesn't want to be here, look. He or he pressed. To... Or he pressed because he he knew that it came out. No. I'm, I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not trying to make excuses. I, I don't. I'm just, it's I don't over it. now. But no matter what it was, he could have pressed a little bit because he knew that it, what everybody was saying about him. You know what I'm saying? But it was you could just, have known whatever he was saying. It was about just him. such an un-White Sox thing to do, to be like halfway through the season, be like, "Yep, yeah, you know what? We messed up on this guy." It was. It's it, you've never seen that. So I was so happy to not just because you know Yonder Alonso was gone, but I was. It's the message. It's you know what? If you don't want to be here, you're not going to play ball. We're not going to have you here. We would rather bat. We would rather bring up Daniel Pol- Daniel Polka and have him bat. You know, two twenty. You know, oh twenty five. Yeah, which is what he's doing. Man, that'd be an amazing. Yeah, 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 right. Oh twenty five. Two hundred points over his batting They've average. Stopped decreasing his he average actually, now because it's so low. He actually like, went in his first game. He went from oh twenty seven to oh twenty six. Then in his next at bat, he struck out and it stayed at oh twenty six. Right. He's doing so bad. The average doesn't move now when he goes when he makes it out because you he know has what? To make two outs. I don't care. I'd rather have that. You know, Zach Collins again. I mean, so he's struggling, but you'd rather have that because at least you're saying now, okay, we've got these guys. We're trying to see what we have. We're not letting Yonder Alonso eat up a roster spot for guys that could potentially be on this team in the future. All right, great, because now you just got to what I want to talk about. Okay, good, you let's just do got it. To it. You just got to it roundabout right there. The whole idea of struggling. It's okay if if uh, Zach Collins is struggling because at least he's up here and he's learning while he's up here. That's that's pretty much how you saw it. It's okay that Daniel Palka's not doing very well. We already know we're not keeping Alonzo. Give him one last stand. I really think this is the last stand of Daniel Palka, and very soon he'll be DFA'd. It, it, it'll come eventually, somewhere along the line. They're going to make a decision when Castillo comes back. Palco's either going to do well or Castillo will take his spot. One of them's not going to be on the team. This is like two men enter, one man leaves. We're clearing room and guys are coming. We always said this was happening. Right. And it's just exciting it's happening. Yes. But how would you feel if I gave you these stats? Just a little bit of information. Okay. And we've gone over it before, so I'm just going to reference some things that we talked about in previous shows here. I'm going to try to run through it as quick as I can so I can make my point and we can start the discussion. I've read off before the whips, the walks and hits per inning pitch of players that were down in AAA this year. 
And I listed guys that had spectacular ones. Guys that went out and they were starting pitchers in AAA who did very well down there and came up to the majors this year for the White Sox and sucked. Okay? Despagne, he had a 1.16 whip in AAA this year. Irvin Santana had a 1.25 whip this year. Covey had a 1.28. He's higher here. Now let me give you another name that's down in AAA and what he had as a whip this year. A 1.57, which is unacceptable, right? Unacceptable. As a starter? No. How much? As, Actually, as, anything. No, as, yeah. As, no. as anything, it's really bad, right? Yes. Okay. Dylan Cease. I know this. With a 1.57 whip and an ERA as he heads to the White Sox of a 4.46. You want to know who is right next to him in whip? Like who lines up with his name right next to Dylan Cease? My favorite guy. Why am I is triple A statistics? Right. Okay. Now here's the thing. You might be sitting there saying, okay, I want to bring him up. I want to see Dylan Cease up here. Michael Kopech in triple A before he came up and put on the Kopech show. Michael Kopech had a 1.27 whip in triple A. Now I want to just kind of go through these two guys because I want to temper expectations and I want to hear what you have to say. Kopech comes up, it's Kopech Day last year, remember? Yes. The excitement of it. You can go back and find the podcast. Deal. The Big excitement deal. of Kopech Day. We were we were just jumping up and down. It was absolutely amazing. If you're a White Sox fan who was waiting for Dylan Cease to do what Michael Kopech did on his first day, I think you're fooling yourself. And this is why. When Kopech came up through the ranks over the last couple of years, he was dominant and barely moved on that whip and barely moved on a lot of his metrics as he moved up from single A to double A to triple A. He was always a good pitcher at whatever level he was at. Enter Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease has been lights out at the lower levels. And last year, between advanced A ball and double A ball, had a whip of 1.12 in A, and it dropped to 0.99 in Birmingham. And you're like, this guy's a phenom. There's a reason Major League Baseball, the MLB pipeline list, elevated him so high as a prospect. National people stood up and said, this guy is it. And we just talked about this a little bit on the last show. Why isn't he up here? And I was explaining, this is why he's not up here. And then the White Sox in between last show and this show decide cease day. Okay. Today, the day this show comes out, July the 3rd. So my question is this, do you think it's best to bring up a guy who hasn't figured out AAA yet? Because Kopech had it figured out. And they purposely kept him down there longer than people thought he should be down there. And he had it figured out. Last year, he was ready and they kept him down there and made sure he was like a fine wine before they brought him up. This right. guy's not ready if you go off of his numbers in AAA and we've announced him coming up. So is this, we think he'll do better up here under our tutelage? Is this, we were just BSing you this entire year about we're not bringing up a guy just because of a need, and so we're finally going to bring him up, and they've gone against what they wanted. Like, this is the thing. Are you nervous as a Sox fan that a mistake is being made by bringing up Dylan Cease at this point? Uh, yeah, I think so, because... Um, because a lot of people aren't. No. I think the, the vast majority of people are saying, get him up here. It's apples and oranges, because you're right. Kopech was, Kopech was solid all throughout the system. Dylan Cease hasn't figured out AAA. I mean, there's just no other way of saying it. Not, and, not consistently and, enough. Like, if he'll have a good no, game, he'll have a bad game. But it's not, it's not consistent. No, overall. Yeah. The, look, it sucks. But the only reason I think he's up here is because you, you have no pitching whatsoever. And besides 
uh, Giolito, obviously, and you weren't counting on you weren't counting on the Rodon injury. You weren't counting on the the Kopech injury, and now here you are. You've got you got a pretty solid lineup, dude. Yeah, but like, you're not for, trying to win this year. No, but you're not trying to win. So but you still thing. have you still have a solid lineup. But the only reason, look, the only reason you're not winning this year, whether or not it's your intent or not, is because of your starting pitching. So they have to do. I feel like they feel like that they have to do something. That would be a mistake. I hope that's not the reason. No, but I'll give I you other reasons. But I think that's the reason. I'll give you other reasons why it would be partially acceptable to do what they're doing here. One, they see something and they think that he's pressing because he's trying to get up here. They've had conversations with him. They see things that they like. They think if he was with a better catcher like James McCann or he had Coop with them or whatever the reasoning is, any reason you come up with, I'm not telling you if it's a good reason or bad reason, it'd be better than we need him up here because we don't care if we win games or not this year because it's year three of a rebuild. Han said it in his last interview in the paper. So so that's a bad idea. If the, if the reasoning is because we need arms, there's plenty of arms that you can bring up here. They're still arms. They're bad arms, but they're they're arms. There's plenty of arms. So my thing is... Just the arms. We don't need the rest of the pitcher. We don't pitcher. even need the rest of the pitcher at this point. We'll just take an arm. My thing is that Dylan Cease, I don't think you're going to get the same thing as when Copa came out and he was just straight fire, where you were just like, this guy is the truth. And the only reason why he had that bad game is because, as it, found, as it turns out, he was hurt during right. it. Yeah. Right. He was the truth. And... And this is this is not, I don't think, going to be that way. Now, I could be absolutely wrong. You could be listening to this right now in between Game 1 and Game 2, and I believe Cease is going in Game 1, and you're sitting out there right now tailgating, and you're listening to Sox in your basement, and you're like, you're an idiot, Chris. He pitched a no-hitter today. You know? <laughs> that would be and I hope he does. Hilarious. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I'm just concerned that even if he has a great game in the first game, is he, I don't think he's ready yet for the majors and people want him up here. I'm always more, like, I'd be more willing to concede, bring up Lewis Robert right now and let him take his lumps. He can skip AAA. Because plenty of players in Major League history have skipped AAA. Okay? Uh, same thing with Nick Mandrigal. But with pitchers, I want my pitchers to go through every step. Hanna's gone on and said, yes, it's year three of a rebuild. It's year three of a rebuild. But he's also talked about how he's not satisfied with the win-loss record. We've talked about it on this podcast. I I have a bad, me personally, I have a bad feeling that this is a, you know, let's get him up here so we can sell tickets. Let's oh, get God, him up. Let's get him up here so that it, it makes it look like we're at least trying to go for something here when they really shouldn't be. It, it makes it look like, yeah, it, I, I don't trust it. I'm going to give you the name of a guy that is rated number 17 on the MLB pipeline list who sits right next to Dylan Cease, who's number 18 on the MLB pipeline list. Both of these guys are right-handed pitchers. Both of these guys are high prospects in their systems. The Pittsburgh Pirates, Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller, for anybody who's a baseball fan and watches something other than the White Sox, was brought up and then had to be sent down. Not ready rushed up we need pitching see what i'm saying yes it it is met it is messed with him a little bit now he may turn out to be a great pitcher but mitch keller has had some real ups and downs and difficulties even busting in with the pittsburgh pirates right now and these two guys are rated very similarly and both of them are high-end prospects in their system that's a warning sign there are warning signs all throughout major league baseball about bringing a pitcher up too soon and I was the first one to say that I wanted to see Dylan Cease a month ago. 
when I was like, okay, maybe some of these games are off, and he had had a good game down there, I think, and and I was like, okay, he's got it all fixed and everything. But the more you looked at the numbers, we talked about this last episode before this was announced, he wasn't ready. I was shocked by the announcement that he was coming up. I want it to go well. I'm excited about it. I hope everything goes well, and I'm just a worrywart. But it scares me, scares the bejesus out of me. That that will, you know, here's the thing. You got to bring him up now. Now what if he comes up here and he just dies? I mean, all you have to do, you can go right now, go find like a bunch of, just pick, start picking pitchers. Start picking pitchers that were highly touted prospects. Just, just find them. Go on to go on baseballreference.com or any pitcher, any pitcher you want to just start picking pitcher names in, in major league baseball and bring up their ma- their minor league stats and look at the, the whip. Look at the amount of guys they put on base. You will always see at every level it goes up. Generally, it goes up, except for like phenomenal pitchers. It always goes up a little bit. Even Kopech, it went up. Every level goes up just a little bit. Stays close, but it goes up because guess what? The level of play that he's going up against gets better. Right. And he has to adjust to that level of play. He's not going to be below a 1.57 whip in Major League Baseball this year. That would be shocking to me if his whip went down. So if he's putting on over a player and a half an inning, how well do you think he's going to fare in the American League the for only, the second half of the, the season? The only way that that, like you were saying, the only way you could even fathom something like that being true, you know, coming up and having a less whip in made in, in show than you do in AAA, is if he just gets with James McCann and it just gels. You're starting the clock on him too. Yeah. So you're going to start the clock on a guy that clearly isn't ready if you just look at the raw stats. I mean, I know he was hyped. We were all super excited about it. He jumped up the pipeline list. He's mentioned in all these articles nationally. I mean, basically, it's just like Cubs fans are grinding their teeth because not only is Aloy good, but now Cease is going to turn out to be great. You know what I'm saying? His great year last year, he's hit a bump in the road. You don't fix the bump by getting on the highway now. (laughs) No. You know, not at all. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the dude is baseman. And the dude is baseman. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, broadcast, Basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. I mean, again, he's appointment television. I'm going to watch TV. White Sox sent me a thing on my email today. I filled it out. They're very concerned about, and th- I'm going to tell you something. This is this is telling, and there's a lot of questions in there. How do you consume the game? Do you watch more games? What makes you watch more games? How would you watch? What would make you watch longer? What would make you pay attention more? What would make? It's all all this trying to figure out how to get advertising dollars up. But this the, that's what their concern is. So I get this thing, and I got Dylan Cease coming up. Too early, and I'm just like, no, please tell me no, because you just did the right thing with Yonder Alonso, and now what are you doing? And unless they know something, unless I they hope know so. something, I hope we they're don't, smarter dude. than me, man. 
I want him to be smarter than me. I want for just once to feed. I want to. I want to for just once to look stupid on this show. We've been doing this show now for for over a year. I'm still waiting for them to prove me out to be wrong. I was going to say for them to prove you wrong because if, if oh, you're you waiting for wrong. the well, no, you but if, if you're one of the, if you're waiting for those the one show to look stupid, I mean, guess what? It happens every week, dude. So <laughs> you don't need the White Sox help to make you look stupid. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on socksinthebasement.com.